0: It's a mystery. So you have to have like the ending in sight and what is happening. And it's just, I can't like. (laughs) Sorry, I'm trying to listen to you. Can you hear my dogs in the background? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's all I can hear. They're having a great time. (laughs) They are. I
2: love it. But yes, to whatever you were saying. (laughs) hi hi everyone how's it going hi i'm here <laughs> welcome to our second book uh podcast um this month we we can, we say month but we're not really doing it by month so this Mm-mm. book well, book number two is if we were if we were villains by ml rio and rose is holding it up if you're watching the video Mm -hmm. Um, and we just read the first act, which is, uh, 79 pages in the actual book, I think. And Mm on certain e-readers, that's different, but the first act. So that is what we are discussing today. Mm -hmm.
1: Indeed. I,
0: I know that it's a murder mystery, especially because of the prologue. So the whole time that I'm reading this, I have like this anxiety Trying to figure out who's gonna die and like which character that I'm falling in love with is gonna die. And Mm -hmm. this whole time, like in certain scenes, when it starts getting like, especially the end of the act, which I'm sure we'll get to, when it starts getting a little chaotic, I'm like, "Oh, is somebody gonna die? Oh no, is this gonna be where they?" And like this whole time, there's just this like suspense (laughs) because it's stressful, but I'm also Mm -hmm. really enjoying it.
1: Yes, for sure. There's definitely I do been a say, few parts where I was like, this is it. This is what we're going to find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if
0: it's the person that I think it's going to be, well, there's two people I think it might be.
2: I for one sure of them, I I'm no going to
0: be upset. And the other one, I'm not going to be upset.
2: Well, who'd you who just say, who are you thinking?
0: If it's James, I'm going to cry because I think I am in love with James. And then if it's, if it's Richard, I'm going to no be like, yes, care. fucking kill him. Yeah. Uh <laughs> For sure.
2: Which is why it probably won't be Richard, because like he would he's gonna be the easy suspect. Yes.
0: Yeah, but I think it could be Richard because I think James might do it. And then like who else would Oliver go to jail for other than James, you know? Oliver goes Meredith. to jail? Yeah, he's the one in the prologue that was he's mm-hmm. in the jail.
1: Oh, right. Mm-hmm. I think he'd go to jail for Meredith. Mm, I think so
2: too, yeah. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Married is dating Richard. I know, but she's.
0: I I don't. I think it's going to be James and James and Richard. The conflict there.
1: Yeah. I don't
2: know. I don't know. I do have to say though, the one thing that surprises me because it is like a murder mystery, is I thought we would have gotten some breadcrumbs by now. I thought we would have gotten like some, just like a little bit, or like uh, a flash back to the murder or like just like something to kind of I mean obviously yeah we know Oliver's in jail but I don't know I just I like this whole time I've kind of been expecting like some sort of little I don't know breadcrumb I think we
0: are getting breadcrumbs and that's what most of my highlights are I think the mm-hmm. characters that the players are being cast as and the lines that they are giving us are actually breadcrumbs like I marked yeah um, uh, da 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 da. like especially like right at the beginning um, it's page 10 in the paperback which is just um, scene 1 when Oliver is studying his passage
1: his um, audition per- one
0: with Pericles yeah When they mention Mm -hmm. one sin I know another doth provoke murders as near to lust as flame to smoke. Like right off the bat.
2: Yeah. And then
0: um, two pages later on page 12, uh, he says, I think it's Oliver again. No, I think that might be James saying this where he says, your time will come to be the tragic hero. Just wait for, for spring. Which I think is really ironic because Oliver spends like his time. Yeah, because he's the one that goes to jail, which makes him, like, the tragic hero. He's, he takes the place of mm. whoever actually committed the murder. So That's I think true. that there is some foreshadowing going on in here, but it's the type of foreshadowing that you won't, that you will not see until, like, you do a reread or, like, yeah. once it's um, exposed,
2: like, once well, you actually know what's going on. It's not and an obvious
1: it? breadcrumb.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Um, isn't Richard playing Caesar and James is playing Brutus, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's a clue too. Yeah. So maybe, But that's the yeah. way they say that it
0: always plays out. I think the Macbeth part where Richard just like doesn't have a part at all and James ends up being Macbeth, I think that is the more important character roles i guess because it shows the turning of the tides and
2: the changing of everything fair enough yeah, i just completely. meant because brutus kills caesar
1: yeah mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. so i was just wondering if that was like
1: foreshadowing mm-hmm. that like james might kill richard yeah and on page 33 which is act i don't know what act this is scene Scene, sorry, you're right. It's Scene all six. In it. Scene six, um, their teacher says, permit me to pose another question. What is more important, that Caesar is assassinated or that he is assassinated by his intimate friends?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I noticed that. Same.
2: <laughs> yeah. I have that highlighted as well. I was just going to ask how you guys feel about Oliver thus far as the narrator. Like, what are your thoughts?
1: It seems like you have thoughts.
2: I I do. I find it interesting <laughs> because it's kind of like the story is being told in third person, but it's first person and it's Oliver. But I don't feel like it's third person om- omniscient. Well, no, because we're like we don't know the thoughts and feelings of all the other characters. Yeah. So he is narrating just from his you know perspective mm-hmm. it is just first person but i don't feel like we're getting the usual um sense of the narrator that you get like we i don't feel like we're getting a lot of oliver's thoughts and feelings like a little bit but i just don't feel like i even know who he is yet He, it's all just being like it's like through his eyes mm-hmm. but i don't feel like we have any idea of what's going on in his head or like who he
1: is <laughs> i was just I, gonna say i feel like the only part like personal thing that we've find out about oliver is his friendship with james Mm -hmm. i feel like that's the only um i don't know intimate part of his life that we know about
0: i think that also just might be because partly because of how oliver sees himself as a like side character like he's not important his thoughts and feelings aren't important he's just there to be like the supporting character which I think is really interesting that he is the narrator, which makes him like the most important person in this story when he is the supporting character in like his own story.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, yeah, I like what you said about the fact that he's like the side character or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of makes sense that he's not putting himself in the forefront of the story. I just it's interesting because you don't read a lot of like first person uh, narratives like that. Mm -hmm.
1: no there's a lot of this book that's just so different and interesting to read how Mm -hmm. it is written i mean just the fact that it's acts with scenes instead of chapters and it's you know even some parts where they're not necessarily because we have some excerpts of the play in there right which is cool but we also have other areas where they're having dialogue but it's written like it would be in a play with like name Name, Mm -hmm. name, name, name. Mm -hmm. I think it's so cool just how she decided to write. How it's like uh, a blend. mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. I noticed that as well with some of the prose where it's not just like every line half inch indented. There is some prose that's written almost like poetry where a different line will flow differently than the other where one will be like, three inches indented so that there's that physical space where you see that physical space that represents, say, a pause in the dialogue instead of the normal novel way of writing it where, sure, every dialogue gets its own line, but it's all, like, half-inch spaced in um,
2: quotation marks. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I think a lot of times, like, she does that when they're speaking in Shakespearean, Mm -hmm. you know... uh, quotes to each other which i think is fun <laughs> i'm like so nerdy and i love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah like on this um i don't know what page it would be for you guys but what what scene is this scene two where richard does that he he does like a whole sonnet oh but i think he was actually rehearsing that Anyway, but you know what I'm saying. They do speak to no, each other. No, they do it and- a lot.
1: They did it um, at the after party, yeah. trying to get mm-hmm. the others to play chicken with them. They were doing a back and forth with it. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. they
0: they do that a lot, and it's perfect. Like, the lines that are pulled are mm-hmm. perfect for the scene. And, it's a, like, you said, that, what, this author has a master's? Or she teach
1: literature? Uh, She holds a master's degree in Shakespeare studies from King's College London.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, her level of Shakespearean knowledge has to be so intense to be able to pull the different lines to fit her scene and not, like, that scene. Like, imagine just what's going through her head as a writer and having the Shakespeare play playing. Her story playing and then like the future of her story playing because you have to like it's a mystery so you have to have like the ending in sight and what is happening and it's just i can't like (laughs) sorry i'm trying to listen to you can you hear
1: my dogs in the background yeah yeah yeah, Yeah. that's
2: all i can hear
1: (laughs) they're having a great time (laughs) they
2: are i love it (laughs) but yes to whatever you were
1: saying (laughs) (laughs) completely no she's uh i just like her writing style in general she's very smart i also Mm -hmm. like the idea of the type of school that they're at where it's um solely shakespeare and or shakespearean work and each Mm -hmm. Uh, grade level does a particular type of Shakespeare play like now that they're fourth years now they're doing tragedies it's just so cool like how she thought about this Mm -hmm.
2: and how each year they have the possibility to be like
1: kicked out if Mm -hmm. they're not good yeah yeah that's super stressful that that Mm -hmm. conversation that Oliver relived with his father about you know, not wanting him to go to this particular school because of the uncertainties and how it wasn't, like, a typical college. Right. Just, I think that really speaks to um, the format of this book, too. It's unconventional Mm -hmm. in that Mm -hmm. regard.
2: Yeah, very unconventional,
1: (laughs) but I love it. But for those of you that
0: haven't read the act yet, if you are one of the, our listeners and not one of our readers. Um, it's not all just, like, stuck-up preppy people talking in Shakespeare. There's It's also hilarious and modern as well, like, on page 47 of the paperback, which is scene 10, near the end of scene 10. Like, there's this dialogue where um, they're in an argument and Richard is being an ass because that is just kind of who he is. Um, and there's this dialogue where James starts off and says, It's been a long night, James said flatly. If it makes you feel any better, Meredith just has just bitten Richard's head off. What for, I asked. For being a jackass, she said, as if it should have been obvious. Just because she's sleeping with him doesn't mean she can't see when he's being a shithead. So, like, yes, there's Shakespeare, but it's blended into modern time perfectly, and it's still hilarious, and you still get the, like, the character banter that makes it
1: mm-hmm.
0: really fun to
1: read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think, completely.
2: I think she does a really good job of like having all seven main characters involved because you know that can be hard to write. Like to have that many characters, I feel like sometimes when you're explaining what this character is doing in that one, like you can lose the story. That's happened to me in other books when there's too many characters in one scene. It's like, wait, what the fuck is happening? But she does it. Pretty seamlessly, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. And each
2: character is so unique
0: Mm -hmm. and maintains their own personality throughout. And it can be difficult also to maintain the personalities of characters as well without them getting wishy-washy or feeling flat. All of these characters are really well-defined as well.
1: Yeah, they really are. Yeah, Yeah, she just impresses me with her writing and um, how she puts it all together. So far, and mm-hmm. we're only, like I said, 80 pages in. So, but the last
0: act, the last scene of act one is when they do their Macbeth. And the way that they do Macbeth, like, I wish I went to this school, I just want to see it. Mm-hmm. Like, all of these I plays. Oh, it's but sounded so cool. So, for Halloween, each of them gets given a role, and they are given the role in an invitation from their teacher. And no one else knows which role they're to play. They don't rehearse. Sorry, my dog in the background. Um, <laughs> but anyway, they don't rehearse and nobody knows who, like, who's who. And then on Halloween night, they all show up and they just put on the show. They just put on Macbeth, basically improv style. <laughs> and it's absolutely amazing. And the way they describe it with the witches coming out of the water and Hecate coming out of the water, and Oliver being covered in blood as um, Brutus. He's Brutus, right? No, that's... Uh, that's... Yeah, not
2: in Macbeth. Like ban- ban- Bankio. Bankio. We- ban- oh, that's it? the one. Ban- Brutus is yeah, Caesar. something like that. Bankio.
0: Um, and the play itself is absolutely amazing, the way that they go about it. But then the after party of the play happens. And this is where my anxiety, like, just skyrocketed.
2: (laughs) Yeah, things got a little Mm -hmm. intense. Real quick before that, though, when um, James was, like, helping Oliver get covered in the blood, did you guys think it was going to be human blood? Because I was like, oh, my God, maybe it's not fake blood. It's actual blood. Like, somebody's dead. This is somebody's blood that he's being covered in. And it's going to turn out that he's going to get out there and be in, like, actual human blood. And it's going to be super fucked up. I was expecting that.
0: (laughs) I didn't even think about that, but that would have been a such a s- stressful way for them to like find the dead person just to like that's what I'm have Oliver be covered in their blood.
2: Oh my god, I know that's what I thought was happening. I was like oh. waiting for it, but then it didn't come to fruition. And I was like, oh, right. I didn't even think about that. I would have
0: been like, if that had happened, I probably would have just like screamed, like that would have been fucking crazy.
1: Oh, yeah. I thought that's what was going to happen to you. My anxiety was going up and up and up and up. I'm like, here it is. Mm -hmm. here it is. We're going to find out who's dead. Like, I thought maybe at that point, I thought Richard was dead. Me too, because he's like, there's Richard. Uh That's Mm -hmm. what I thought, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: But then Richard was there, so. I didn't think about that at
0: all. Oh, my God. Yeah. But that's not what happens. That's that's, not what happens. That's (laughs) not what (laughs) happens.
2: No, no, no. But then uh, things get a little crazy when they're playing chicken.
0: Yeah, so they're playing chicken in the pool. And I thought Alexander was just going to drown because he's drunk and dumb. Like, I thought he was just going to drown. I thought that was just going to be it. Uh, And then Oliver and Meredith go in and they start playing chicken. And then I was like, fuck, it's going to be Meredith or one of them is going to die. And then James. I really hope James isn't the one that dies. I like him. James and Richard get in a fight. He shoves James' face. Yeah. Under the water.
2: And everyone literally has to like jump on top of him to get Um. him to stop.
0: Yeah. Like, I you just have to read this scene. Like, even if you're not reading this book with us, like just this scene itself is just so crazy. (laughs) And it's hard to describe it without like with the same intensity that it's written to
2: for sure
0: it is amazing uh the scene the intensity the suspense is amazing and then at the end um like the last paragraph or even the last line it's just oliver and james sitting on the beach and oliver says something changed irrevocably In those few dark minutes, James was submerged as if the lack of oxygen had caused all our molecules to rearrange. So this is like the turning point in the whole story.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's that's what makes me think that like James is going to just snap. Yeah. Because he's played the, they mentioned that like he plays the villain almost routinely up until this point. Like that's the role that he fits into. Which is, I think might be foreshadowing that he's going to be the one to kill somebody,
2: probably mm-hmm. Richard. But I don't know. I don't know. That feels too easy, though.
0: I know. But, like, who mm-hmm. else would Oliver really go to jail for 10 years for other than James? Because they talk about how they're such good friends and how they, like, they room together. I totally think there's a little, like, gay relationship going on. I'm waiting <laughs> for that. that.
2: Maybe, Maybe I'm just getting for it. But there's, like, a homoerotic vibe between these two. Yeah. But
0: mm-hmm. then Oliver also. It was like in a stupor over Meredith because she's gorgeous. So Oliver has to be at least bi. bi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I totally think that Oliver and James are gay, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. We'll see. I was
2: waiting for it to come out. Rubbing the blood on him and then (laughs) Uh James wants him to sit on the beach with him. Mm
1: -hmm. Or even in the beginning when they were describing the room that Mm -hmm. they share Mm -hmm. and how they were undressing and taking their shirts off and then they were discarding their pants and stuff and then i was just waiting for it to end with oliver walking over and getting into bed with james Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. well there's also that um part where they're talking about when james is training to be like a cat on stage oh yeah and then he he, like randomly pounces on oliver who squeals Mm -hmm. like a little girl um yeah, there's it's definitely yeah. there's some gay there's vibe. a vibe yeah. yeah
2: yeah yeah it's there it's a vibe for sure
0: so I hope that turns into something <laughs> that's it. probably why I like James so much
2: just gay because <laughs> he's a little gay yeah yeah totally I feel
1: that I mean it 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 needs a gay theater kid yeah it's yeah. like a prerequisite you can't have yeah exactly some queerness. exactly <laughs> yeah.
2: That's just not allowed, because that's not reality. <laughs> Especially Shakespeare. like Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Out of the seven of yeah. them, there has Hel- to be somebody. Hella gay. Yeah. Hella gay. Mm-hmm.
2: All so, right. Well. Well, yeah. Well. Well.
0: That's all I have to say. There, I, re- I took a lot of notes. I did a lot of highlighting, but it was all just, like, dumb – well, not dumb stuff, but things like, this looks amazing, I wish I could see this in real life. Or, mm-hmm. like, highlighting lines that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't take a
1: lot of notes, and it doesn't mean I didn't like what I was reading. I just, I took a couple notes that I thought were foreshadowing, and then the rest of the time I was just enjoying enjoying yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I was Same. ready. At, like, I had my tabs ready at the points where I was like, we're going to find out who died. And I was, <laughs> like, prepared. Like, the blood scene, I was like here we go, here we go, and then I would put the tab down because (laughs) we wouldn't find out. (laughs)
2: Right, exactly. But it's definitely got me wanting to um, – did I tell you about those the no-fear Shakespeare books where it's like on one side you have the Shakespeare play and then the other side it's like modern translation? Mm -hmm. Um, I've been wanting to get those, but like now as I'm reading this, I'm like, okay, I really need to order those because
1: I – really want to like dive into those yeah, yeah i Rose of- and i were talking about that at work the other day that yeah. we needed yeah. to get caesar <laughs>
0: yeah i was For talking sure. about buying julius caesar but i don't i just don't yeah. have time right now to read it i don't have time to do i know i don't anything. really either
2: but at some someday at some point because mm-hmm. i have a book of shakespeare's sonnets and like i really enjoy that but now i need to dive into the the uh, actual plays
1: I don't have anything I, more on If We Were Villains. I'm just excited okay. to keep going.
2: Yeah,
0: I'm excited yeah, to keep same. going as well. Um, So what we're going to do is, I know that we just started this book, If We Were Villains. However, uh, I have had some feedback from people who listen to our podcast that they wish we put out um, our like next book sooner so that they would have time to get it from the library. Uh, so today, which is our first podcast for this book our april book we're going to give you the five choices for our may book hopefully we can reach a decision and give you uh, the announcement
2: sooner two
0: weeks or more um before At we would start it weeks. so that you'll have time to get the book
1: mm-hmm. yeah um, but yeah, but what's cool about this next pick is we decided to do a nonfiction. So all of our choices yes. are nonfiction.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Switching mm-hmm. it up. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Got to get a
2: little nonfic in there. Mm-hmm. Every I... so often. Fine, she says <laughs> reluctantly.
0: So all of them, mm-hmm. like we said, are nonfiction, uh, but they're all a little different. They're all on different topics. So the first one, Pandora's Jar by natalie hayes i'm just going to read the synopsis that is on the back here the tellers of greek myths historically men have routinely sidelined the female characters when they do take a larger role women are often portrayed as monstrous vengeful or just plain evil like pandora blamed for causing all the world's suffering and wickedness when she opened that forbidden box but as natalie hayes reveals in ancient greek myths there was no box it was a jar which is far more likely to tip over. In Pandora's Jar, the broadcaster, writer, stand-up comedian, and passionate classicist turns the tables, putting the women of Greek myths on equal footing with the men. With wit, humor, and savviness, Hayes revolutionizes our understanding of, epi- of epic poems, stories, and plays, resurrecting them from a woman's perspective and tracing the origins of their mythic female characters. She looks at mm-hmm. women such as Jocasta, Oedipus, nope, O Oedipus? It's plural. Oedipus? I don't know. But it's also O E. O E Oedipus. But it's um possessive. How do I
2: say the S's? Oedipus?
0: Oedipuses? Oedipuses? I can't say that at all. Alright. Oedipus's. is. Like
2: Pisses and then Oedipus. Yeah, I don't like it. Um <laughs> Oedipus' <laughs> mother
0: turned lover and wife. Turned fruity and sticking point. At once the cleverest person in the story and yet often unnoticed. She considers Helen of Troy, whose marriage to Paris caused the Trojan War, as somewhat uneven response to her decision to leave her husband for another man. She demonstrates how the vilified Medea was like an ancient Beyonce, getting her revenge on the man who hurt and betrayed her, if by extreme measures. And she turns her eye to Medusa, the original monstered woman, who had her hair turned to snakes as punishment for being raped. Pandora's jaw brings nuance and care to millennial-old myths and legends and asks the question, why are we so quick to villainize these women in the first place and so eager to accept the stories we've been told?
2: Medusa's hair turned to snakes after she was raped? Yeah. Yep. I, didn't I did that. not know that. Really? I did not know uh-huh. that that was the story. And then, so then she became this terrible monster all because she was fucking raped? That makes me really upset. That makes me really fucking angry. But there's also a spin (laughs)
0: on it that um, she was given that power to be able to get her revenge as well. So it was a punishment, but also was... um, I don't know what word I'm looking for.
1: Empowering?
0: Yes, I guess. It was kind of like a gift given... With the perception of punishment for the men, if that makes sense. I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say.
2: I understand what you're trying to say. I'm just trying to think how I feel about it. Mm, Like, like I guess. But, like, she shouldn't have to, you know, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, that's a a whole thing. But that book sounds very interesting, and it's definitely something I want to read. Yeah. All right, next one. What's
1: next on the docket women, women who, run, who with- run with the wolves yeah. mm-hmm. this
2: is amy's pick yeah you want to pull pick. up a synopsis amy yeah okay so women who run with wolves by clarissa pincola estes um the synopsis is this Within every woman, there lives a powerful force filled with good instincts, passionate creativity, and ageless knowing. She is the wild woman who represents the instinctual nature of women, but she is an endangered species. For though the gifts of wildish nature belong to us at birth, society's attempt to civilize us into rigid roles has muffled the deep, life-giving messages of our own souls. In Women Who Run With the Wolves, Dr. Clarissa Pincola Estes unfolds rich intercultural myths, fairy tales, folk tales, and stories, many from her own traditions, in order to help women reconnect with the fierce, healthy, visionary attributes of this instinctual nature. Through the stories and commentaries in this remarkable book, we retrieve, examine, love, and understand the wild woman and hold her against our deep psyches as one who is both magic and medicine. And then it says, Dr. Estes has created a new lexicon for describing the female psyche. Fertile and life-giving, it is a psychology of women in the truest sense, a knowing of the soul.
1: That one sounds interesting, so. too. Yeah, yeah, for it sure. It's very popular. We sell it a lot mm-hmm. at the store. Indeed. Indubitably. <laughs> Indubitably.
2: Um, Okay, so
1: then next up is Crying in H-Mart, which, stuff that was one of your picks. It was. So Crying in H-Mart by Michelle Zahner. Um, In this exquisite story of family, food, grief, and endurance, Michelle Zahner proves herself far more than a dazzling singer, songwriter, and guitarist. With humor and heart, she tells of growing up one of the... Growing up one of the few Asian American kids at her school in Eugene, Oregon, of struggling with her mother's particular high expectations of her, of a painful adolescence, of treasured months spent in her grandmother's tiny apartment in Seoul, where she and her mother would bond, late at night over heaping plates of food. As she grew up, moving to the East Coast for college, finding work in the restaurant industry and performing gigs with her fledgling band and meeting the man who would become her husband, her Koreanness began to feel even more distant, even as she found the life she wanted to live. It was her mother's diagnosis of terminal cancer, when Michelle was twenty five, that forced a reckoning with her identity and brought her to reclaim the gifts of taste, language, and history her mother had given her. Vivacious and plain spoken, lyrical and honest, Zoner's voice is as ra- radiantly alive on the page as it is on stage. Rich with intimate antidotes that will resonate widely and complete with family photos, Crying in H-Mart is a book to cherish, share, and reread.
2: That one sounds good. And that one was a book of the year finalist for 2021, right?
0: I don't know. I know that I believe so. I I believe so. I think it was, yes. I know it was on one of Obama's book
2: recommendations for 2021. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was on, it, on a lot of book lists, and, I, and yeah, for sure I think it was one of the runners-up, but it ultimately lost out to lyrics, yeah. which is, that's obviously questionable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway. let's, yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> yeah, not get into that. Um, okay, next up is Somebody's Daughter, um, a memoir by Ashley C. Ford. Okay, so um, Ashley C. Ford's voice is what makes this memoir special. She's candid, inquisitive, vulnerable, and present in the moments she shares, especially those of her childhood. From the absence of of her father and the shocking revelation of his incarceration to the grandmother she adored and the men who both protected and hurt her, Somebody's daughter shows how people and the critical moments, both big and small, can become hardwired into our lives and affect the way we react to and experience memoir. the world. an affirming and probing memoir from a writer who will hopefully have a long and celebrated literary career. Um, I have heard nothing but amazing things about this book. Same. And I heard her speak on Glenn and Doyle's podcast um, it was like a month or two ago, um, mm. and it was really powerful, so. Um, also, awesome. that made me want to read this book yeah all right so gender and
0: our brains by gina Rippen. Ripe, ripen right ripen however you say it. um the description a breakthrough work in neuroscience and an incisive corrective to a long history of damaging pseudoscience. science finally debunking the myth that there is a biological binary between male and female brains For decades, if not centuries, science has backed up society's simple dictum that men and women are hardwired differently, that the world is divided by two different kinds of brains, male and female. However, new research in neuroimaging suggests that this is little more than neurotrash. In this powerful argued work, acclaimed professor of cognitive neuroimaging Gina Rippon unpacks the stereotypes that bombard us from our earliest moments and shows how these messages mold our ideas of ourselves and even shape our brains. Taking us back through centuries of sexism, Gender and Our Brains reveals how science has been misinterpreted or misused to ask the wrong questions. Instead of challenging the status quo, we are still bound by outdated stereotypes and assumptions. However, by exploring new, cutting-edge neuroscience, Rippon urges us to move beyond a binary view of our brains and instead to see these complex organs as highly individualized, profoundly adaptable, and full of unbound potential.
1: Rock and roll. I like it. I'm gonna buy this one either
2: way. I like I already put it on hold. So <laughs> for sure. Yeah, honestly, all these are all these sound really good. Yeah, they do. Well, fantastic. So that's our Love five. It. Yeah. I'm excited for nonfiction month, nonfiction May.
1: All right. So we have talked about where we are with If We Were Villains by M. L. Rio. Mm-hmm. And then we discussed and explained or not explained. We read the synopsises. <laughs> Synop- synopses is that a word? S- <laughs> What's the sino- plural? Synopsis? We read the descriptions.
2: I feel like of... it's synopses.
1: Synopses. <laughs> anyway, don't quote me on it. I don't. I don't know. Um, I'll look it up. Anyways, we we read the descriptions of the <laughs> five books that we are thinking about reading for nonfiction May. It's a thing now. We're calling it Nonfiction May. (laughs) Nonfiction May, yeah. Yep, Nonfiction May. Um, So we will have that on our Discord if you would like to vote for them. I think we'll have a link below this video. Yes, is that how that works? Yes. Um, Yeah, so I guess that's it, guys.
2: And we'll see you back here next week. Yeah. Bye. Okay, all right, everyone, have a good night.